May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. A friend of mine let her daughter choose her outfits every day from an early age. I think she read about this in one of those parenting magazines or something. It helps kids learn to make decisions, I guess, and it probably makes getting ready in the morning a lot less of a struggle because the child has a say in what it is wearing. In any case, once she decided on this course of action, she would then go into her daughter's room every morning and select two outfits from the closet and put them on her daughter's bed with the announcement, choose. Today you are going to daycare. Do you want to wear your blue jeans and this nice pink long sleeve t-shirt? Or do you want to wear your green corduroys with this nice yellow sweater? Choose. Today we are going to church. Do you want to wear your blue dress with the ruffles? Or do you want to wear your purple jumper with the white turtleneck? Choose. You get the idea. When I remarked one day that I thought my friend was remarkably brave and asked how she made sure that the child was always dressed appropriately for the weather, my friend pointed out that she did control the choice. She always picked out two outfits that were appropriate. And so no matter which one her daughter chose, there was never any chance that she would go out in short sleeves on a snowy day or something like that. And, my friend confessed, she did have one ace in the hole. My friend had discovered that there was one outfit that her daughter hated above all else. And I didn't blame her because the way my friend described it, I thought this daughter was dead on point. It was a brown dress with purple trim and big clunky brown shoes to go with it. The three-year-old thought this was pretty hideous, and I don't blame her. It was, however, my friend's secret weapon. Suppose there was a special occasion that demanded just the particular outfit. Parents, you know exactly what this occasion is. Grandma and Grandpa are coming to town, and so the child must wear the outfit that Grandma and Grandpa picked out for it for its last birthday, right? You can't force the child to wear this outfit. However, you can go into her room on the morning and say, Today we are going for lunch with Grandma and Grandpa. You can wear the nice outfit that Grandma and Grandpa bought you. Or you can wear your brown dress with the purple trim and the big clunky brown shoes. Choose. Amazingly, the little girl always made the right choice in that situation. In today's reading from the Apocrypha, Sirach thinks he has laid out a similar choice. Jesus Ben Sirah, the person who wrote this book, which 
some of us who've been around a while might remember as Ecclesiasticus. He was probably a teacher or a scribe. And he wrote these, collected these sayings less than 200 years before the birth of Christ. What he did was really compile a whole lot of sayings and snippets of wisdom which had been handed down from the ancestors. Just as we do today, if you think about it, how many of us in school at one point had to learn what it meant when people said, a stitch in time saves nine? How many of us have heard it said that, especially this time of year, it is better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all? These are the types of sayings that Sirach collected. And in the passage we read today, Sirach sets out our options for how we can live our lives. But he claims the choice is ours. And yet, like my friend and the brown and purple dress, Sirach seems to think that there is really only one correct choice. You can stretch your hand over fire, he says, or over water. You decide. Really, Sirach, is that even really a choice? You may choose life, he says, or you may choose death. What do you think you should do? If only it were really that easy, oh Jesus bin Sirach. But our lives are just a little more complex than that. We don't have a simple two-fold choice, the awful outfit or the nice one. We don't even have two complete outfits from which to choose. We have a life of complex decisions, individual pieces that make up our wardrobe, individual actions that make up an hour, a day, or a lifetime. Complex decisions like choosing five vestry people from a list of seven qualified candidates. There are no easy answers, no black and white. Moreover, the options are not as clear-cut as Sirach might want us to believe. For as Jesus reminds us in today's gospel, our lives are not simply a series of questions of not doing evil. Jesus reminds us that God judges not based on what we do with our bodies, but rather what we do inside our hearts. For too long, it seems, people thought that they were justified simply because they had not done any harm. But Jesus reminds them what it means to live into the two most important commandments. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Too many people had put other commandments before these two, putting the cart before the horse, as it were. But these other commandments to keep the Sabbath, to honor one's parents, to not murder or commit adultery, and so on, these are simply the ways in which we show that we love God and our neighbor. Because let's face it, if we truly loved our neighbor, we would not want to kill him, would we? And indeed, Jesus says, we would not even want to insult or belittle them. If we truly loved our neighbor, we would not see them as a tool for our own gratification. And if we truly loved God, 
we n would not feel worthy to come to worship when we knew we had hurt someone else. For then we would know that in addition to hurting our neighbor, we had dishonored God by hurting someone that God loved. We would feel that we were not worthy of God's love until we had done our best to make things right. And so we choose or try to choose the way of life, the way of love. Maybe you can't remember a time when you actually made that conscious choice, life or death but I can. I can remember a time 20-some years ago when as a young adult I joined a church which offered, well, not life exactly, but it seemed to be a place of cool water in the midst of the heat and pressure of the rest of the world. I was in my 20s and trying to figure out how to live and how to be an adult, and the church at that time offered reasonable guidance in that. It couldn't tell me what to put on a resume or how to chart a career path. But it could tell me how, as the young people say today, how to adult. When you hurt someone, ask for forgiveness. And when someone asks for forgiveness, grant it. I had seen the alternative in the rest of the world of being hurt and use, using that to justify revenge and anger and letting it nurture into a nice little resentment that fed could be fed for far too long. I'd seen people cause hurt and then never want to talk about it so that that little bit of unaddressed hurt tainted the relationship forever after. I had worked and lived in communities that believed that love was in short supply and therefore it should be hoarded and rationed out to those deemed worthy. And I didn't like that at all. The church I joined, an Episcopal church, no surprise, offered me an alternative, a place that believed that God showered us with love where we were valued as individuals not because we were smart or pretty or hard workers or because we had really nice toys. And as I was figuring out how to adult, the church offered me some good lessons in how to behave. Start by believing that each person is a beloved child of God and don't use them as a means to some other end. Try to help others in whatever way you can because we are here to shine God's light in the world however we can do it. Acknowledge your faults when you see them. Forgive those who acknowledge theirs. And then try to change both your lives so it doesn't happen again. And move on. We weren't perfect in that church, but we all tried to live into God's love and we supported each other along that journey. We provided a place that encouraged each other to choose the good and to turn away from the elements of the world that caused others to sin. But it wasn't easy. Because it turns out there's not just the one choice, join the community or don't. 
It's not even a daily choice. There are tons of choices, choosing to respond to each situation as it arises, to help or not to help, to respond to an insult or to not, to support someone going through a tough time or not. So many choices. It could be a bit overwhelming. My friend told me that a few months after beginning her Select Your Own Outfit program with her daughter, one Saturday morning, her daughter marched into the room as only a three-year-old can, took all of her mother's shoes out of the closet two by two and threw them on the bed. Choose, 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 she said. There were so many choices. Too often, I think, the choices can seem overwhelming. And so we choose not to choose. We wait for someone to decide for us, or we cling to decisions made long ago. But the world changes. It is sunny one day and 60 degrees, and the next day it seems it's freezing and snowy. And so we must choose something new a different outfit to match what is happening in the world on this day. And of course, if we let someone else choose for us, we may one day discover that we don't like what we're wearing at all. And so we choose. It's not easy. Some days, the most appropriate clothing for what we need to do may leave us a little uncomfortable. The warm sweater of acknowledging one's faults may seem a little scratchy at times. The light summer top of admitting you've been hurt may leave one feeling very overexposed and vulnerable. Taking off the big heavy boots of hateful friends and bad influences may seem really odd, like cutting off a limb but eventually you'll learn to walk in the light of God's creation and feel lighter for what you've left behind. And yes, your new outfit may be ridiculed by those who do not share in God's love because they do not understand what you're wearing as you go out. We just had our annual meeting where we reviewed the last year and selected wonderful members of our new vestry. And there are some who might have said, why do that now? Why not wait until the next rector comes? Okay, so in part, we couldn't have done that because the parish bylaws prohibit that. But more to the point, we can't do that because we are called to respond to the world as it is now, ever-changing. We can't wait. We can't push off the decisions. We must continue to minister to the world, and we must continue to provide opportunities to worship. We must continue to build up the community of God. We must continue to encourage and sustain each other on that journey. Waiting for the new rector would deny the Holy Spirit in each of us the ability to listen and discern for what we should be doing 
now. And it might leave people without solace when they need it. And so we choose. But here is the most important thing to remember. We know that God loves us, even when we make the wrong choice. We can always go back to God, no matter what we've decided. There may be mornings when we've put on the sneakers of speedy retreat from an insult and a pain, when we should have instead put on the nursing scrubs to clean and heal old wounds. There are days when we sought out the shoulder and knee pads of defense rather than the work clothes of bridge building. It's okay. Jesus says we should try to make amends with those we have wronged, but he does not say that we are forever cut off from God if we make up a mistake. And indeed, our Episcopal worship has a way of doing exactly what Jesus asks of us, symbolically, at least. In our liturgy every Sunday, before we come to communion, before we even bring up the bread and the wine or collect the offering, we confess our sins to God, and then we pass the peace. Our very liturgy gives us a pause where we seek out our neighbors and reconcile. Yes, our days are filled with choices, a myriad of them. But here is the great thing to remember, that Jesus came and lived among us and died to show us that there is nothing that we can do that can cut us off from God if we don't want to be. There is always the choice to come back. Amen. <laughs>